You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. Barry Weintraub is an activity-based exercise specialist at Courage Kennedy Rehabilitation Institute, a Move United member organization based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He has coached wheelchair softball and basketball. Barry created the wheelchair lacrosse program there and has served on the board of directors of Wheelchair Lacrosse USA. So we chat with him about hitting the sticks. So Barry, I thought I'd just start by asking, um, how did you get specifically into wheelchair lacrosse? Yeah, so I started actually as a coach for wheelchair softball. So my job, um, I work with a hospital organization uh, that hosts a variety of sports. We are actually a junior Olympic bronze level uh, supporter um, for the Paralympic Games. And so we offer everything from softball to basketball to swimming, um, bocce, and a, a wider range of uh, sports for people living with different abilities. And um, in about 20, actually going back to about 2012, I started working wheelchair basketball tournaments uh, as a volunteer. Um, that was my first introduction to um, wheelchair sports. Um, fell in love with the game of wheelchair basketball. Um, but then when I started working for the organization, I had a quick opportunity to start coaching wheelchair softball. Um, did that for about three years and then was uh, lucky enough to come across a video produced out of, um, I believe it was technically out of Denver. And that was my first experience seeing wheelchair lacrosse. And then that ties into my, um, I've been a lacrosse, I've been a part of the lacrosse community now for, oh, wow. Um almost 20 years. It's kind of mm. crazy to say. And yeah, that's true. Almost 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, and specifically a coach for about 14 years now. And so when I saw that, my first instinct was, that's what I want to do. That's where I want to take my coaching to um, adaptive sports. And uh, then I had an opportunity to speak out in 2015 at uh, USA Lacrosse in Sparks, Maryland, um, where I got to be introduced actually to a gentleman by the name of Ryan Baker, who is one of the founders of Wheelchair Lacrosse USA. And actually from that moment on, I've been lucky enough to be a part of Wheelchair Lacrosse USA from an organizational perspective, from a coaching perspective, um, and actually as from a player perspective as well. So it's been a great, um, great journey so far. So when you saw that video, there wasn't a program at your local, you know, locally for you. So, so that inspired you to create a local program then? Yeah. And, you know, we had to jump through some hoops for sure. Um, Again, you know, we were very lucky. Our local VA had a connection to the VA in Milwaukee and um, the gentleman who I would say manages the uh, Milwaukee Eagles uh, wheelchair lacrosse program, Dr. Ken Lee, he was going around doing local clinics and setting up teams with a grant that he had. And so our VA in Minneapolis connected with him 
and he came up and actually it was odd because he came up with the intent of running a clinic for us and providing us with all the gear he shows up and he realizes how much lacrosse experience i have i end up coaching this clinic for um, <laughs> some of his athletes as well as some of the people that are trying it in minneapolis um but then he left us all the gear and at that point it was it was pretty hard for my organization at that point to say no we're not going to do this because we had all the gear mm-hmm. uh, you know i'm going to toot my own horn a little bit and say we had me who was willing to coach and run the program and then all we needed was essentially um at that time the blessing and a figurehead from our sports and rec department which we got pretty quickly after that um and we just kind of propelled forward from there so it was uh, luck has fallen well to me in the scheme of wheelchair lacrosse I was going to say that the barriers, the barriers to entry were, were, were not there anymore, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. And and so what was it either about, I guess, that video the first time that you saw it, or maybe just in general, what is it about the sport that, that draws you in? Um, for me, I, you know, obviously I have my connection to lacrosse, um, and then with my full-time job and my general passions, it was my, it was everything in my world colliding. Um, And then, you know, beyond that, you see, you know, the three games that I'm most closely related to in in terms of adaptive athletics would be wheelchair basketball, wheelchair softball, and then um, now wheelchair lacrosse. And I think what I've always enjoyed about those three games is they are the same sport, um, between, you know, adaptive athletics and, you know, was what we would say is stand-up athletics uh, in our facility. And so I think just seeing the way that the game was played, seeing, um, you know, I don't like the term, you know, athletes using wheelchairs all that much, but for the sake of this conversation, um, seeing the players, you know, absolutely move circles and move, you know, fly around better than, professional quote-unquote professional grade athletes um who are you know heads above heads above water in terms of their lacrosse skill but you can't take them put them in a chair and expect them to be the same athlete but then we have these athletes who are you know using their chairs and moving and and you see that natural flow of the lacrosse game and it looks identical to the stand-up game and it was just like in my head just clicked like this is where I want my passion to be. This is where I want to put a lot of my energy. Um, and, and it's really like, it's helped me. I, I've been a part of the rules committee and trying to keep the rules as close to the free moving game that lacrosse is um, while also keeping it safe, you know, for our athletes as well um, without losing that kind of purity of sport. So that's kind of where my like initial passion, I guess, kind of flew in to it. Yeah, and I think that's important. So, uh, in short, it's the same game, right? And so, right. you know, uh, players may have uh, access to a mobility device, but it's the same game. Yes, one hundred percent. And uh, so, let's let's delve into the game a little bit. You know, um, there are pockets of lacrosse players, and 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 there, you know, it's not uh, not quite yet on the same scale as maybe some other sports so people people may not even be familiar with lacrosse at all mm-hmm. what is the game of lacrosse and maybe i should start by saying 
it's a game that's been around a long time. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's one of my like favorite facts that you know when you're introducing the game of lacrosse to people, they don't recognize. You know, when I think of, I think when most people talk about America's game, the initial thought is baseball. Um, and you know, oddly enough, as an anomaly as I am. I love baseball and most lacrosse players don't, which I find odd, but that's a different story. <laughs> um, but when I really think about like America's game at its roots, you know, it it's lacrosse. Lacrosse existed in America and as well as in Canada long before any other sport. Um, and my favorite fun fact about that is it's Canada's national sport. And most people believe that to be hockey. It's like, no, actually like it's <laughs> lacrosse. Um so, you know, I think like to keep it easy for most people, you know, most people are more familiar with hockey, but it's hockey on land. You know, that's the best way to summarize it. You know, you're moving the ball through the air rather than on the ice. Um, and, you know, for the game that we're talking about, you're just pushing instead of skating. Um, you know, you're still playing with teams, you're passing the ball around and similar to hockey, the end goal is to put the ball in the back of the net. So, um, I think that's the best way to sum it up for new listeners. Um, and then again, even keeping it on that same level, you wear a lot of the same pads you wear for hockey. Um, so helmets, gloves, shoulder pads, arm pads. Um, some of the people that we play with do wear knee pads to protect their knees during collisions as well as from stick checks. Um, and that I think often depends on sensation levels and, um, how their bodies react to pain and discomfort. Um, and then, you know, our goalies wear a little bit more padding and that's, you know, that's one of the rules we're actually still kind of tweaking and working on because uh, depending on familiarity with lacrosse, if you look at the outdoor game uh, for standup, it's the goalies are much thinner, a lot less padding. But then if you go to the indoor game, there's a lot more padding um, for those goalies. And so we're trying to um, not disclude anybody from playing our game, um, but we also want to keep it fair and make it safe. So we're still tweaking some rules um, to keep that purity level, but it's coming along pretty well. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought up equipment because I was going to, I was going to head in that direction. So um, if, you know, someone comes out to, a local program, um, yours or some others that are offered around the country. Um, what, you know, what do they need uh, at first? And I, and I assume, you know, in most cases, programs at least initially provide, you know, a lot of the equipment that, that, that a player needs. Um, uh, is that, is that, is that the case typically, or, you know, where you based on your own experience? Yeah. So I think I don't want to speak for everybody, obviously. Um, at this point, you know, we want to get a stick in your hands. We don't want, we don't need you to have all the pads. We don't need you to have a helmet. Um, and you know, one of my, um, board, you know, teammates, um, Sean Maloney, he said it really well. It's like, if we can get a stick in your hands, we can find a way to cover the rest. <laughs> um, and I think that, all of us organizationally um, from wheelchair lacrosse USA and then down funneling down to the teams as well. We're going to do everything we can to help teams um, supply uh, pads and sticks, you know, through grant opportunities, through fundraising opportunities. But then, you know, there is a point where 
those pads become so personal. So, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's buying a pad at an organizational cost and then selling it to your team members for a cheaper cost, you know, kind of recouping some of those losses. Um, But then a lot of us are also um, funded through hospital organizations. So a couple of the programs have um, allotted money from different hospitals that then fund their teams. So it helps with chair chair costs. Uh, it helps with pad costs, helps with travel costs. And that's not all teams. Um, but again, we also, I think we're at a tight enough group right now where anything left over, we're trying to help each other with and trying to build that game consistently. So um, we, as, as an organization, I think would go on record saying, if you need something, please reach out to us and we will do whatever we can to help you with that. Yeah. And I, I, and and, uh, to your point, I, I I totally agree. I say typically in general, most programs at least will cover, you know, the, the supplies that you need at the program level. And and you, you hit the nail right on the head, Barry, in terms of when you reach a point where you want to play a little bit more, and you know, or, or and join a team and compete and, and travel. That might be the time when you particularly invest in your own pads, your own, yeah, yeah. your 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 own everything, really, right? So, because sometimes there are even program chairs or or others that are out there. Um, but then, when you want to play, you need to get your own okay. custom fit, you know, chair. So, hundred percent, yeah. And so that's a good. And there's and in, in, in addition to obviously. Uh, the uh, US, USA wheelchair lacrosse, um, there are other grants out there that definitely, when you reach that point, um, if you need financial support and assistance, definitely can 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 find some uh, funding opportunities from time to time. And so let's yeah. let's let's uh, dial into like the specific equipment. Um, is is there a standard chair that you use now in terms of across the board? I would say like there are the, you know, the initial um, when the game kind of first created, there was a partnership briefly with Mel Rose uh, who designed a lacrosse specific chair. And there's probably, I'd like to say five of those in existence. Hmm. Um, and they're a little bit, you know, they're kind of a, a, a blend between the rugby chairs and then the basketball chair. So they're a little bit more heavy duty. They have a little bit more of a picking style front, like some of the rugby chairs have, but then they move and um, are shaped a lot more like a basketball or a, like a tennis chair. So I think the movement has gone away from that because then, you know, some of our guys have three almost regular chairs, you know, a, a kind of quasi sports chair their lacrosse chair and then potentially an everyday chair. And it just kind of got to be a lot. So I think the movement has gone more towards, you know, your average basketball chair, your average tennis chair, um, you know, cambered wheels, uh, back wheels to rest on, and then the normal front casters. Um, You know, some of the guys, uh, some of the players are still using, um, you know, like a rugby style wheel with the caps over the spokes to protect their spokes Mm -hmm. and, you know, that's not that's not obviously going to damage anybody else's chair in a collision. So um, at the moment, yeah, it's pretty standard chair use uh, for any athletic chair. Um, but, you know, I, you kind of hit on it. That's also like a, a it is a barrier to be a part of the game. I mean, th- those chairs cost a lot of money. 
Um, and then depending on your or the organization that you're with or sponsored by, they may have a chair that fits you perfectly, or they may have a chair that's four inches too big for your hips. <laughs> right. So, right. You know, it's always a fun game to play with athletes and, you know, encouraging them to reach out to the foundations and the grants that help supply um, funding for a lot of those chairs is important. Yeah. And so the, the, the takeaway definitely is that it, that it is a, a sport chair or an action chair, you know, not, yeah. it's not a sport that you would want to play with your everyday. No, chair. <laughs> no, no. And, and you mentioned, you know, putting a stick in your hand. So let's talk about the stick. That's what I, I really, the, the stick's a really u- a unique instrument, if you will. Yep. So how would you describe the stick? Stick is, um, the stick is a stick. I mean, you know, for me, it's something that's natural. It's, we don't have any different standards um, for a general uh, midfielder or attack stick from, you know, the stand-up lacrosse game to our game. Um, we did shorten the average length of um, a defender stick from, we went down from six feet. I believe our rules are about four feet. Um, and we, I think there's probably two people that use them um, and it's, it's very difficult. It requires a lot of upper body strength and a lot of core strength to maintain balance as well as using those sticks to fundamentally catch and throw with them as well as to use them appropriately to play defense um, and be able to push the chair at the same time. So, and then looking at goalies um, again, we've kind of flexed the rule a little bit. So uh, my goalie, for example, um, he was diagnosed with cerebral palsy and has a lot more control over a stick that's probably about two feet long. And honestly, like as soon as we figured that out, I cut the shaft right in half and was like, <laughs> okay, let's get this dialed in for you because you're a big piece of what I need to be successful. And, you know, it works really well for him. Um, on the flip side of that, there's a, a new gentleman who plays for our Grand Rapids program. And he is actually um, a phenomenal box goalie and he plays with a full shaft. Uh, so it's about four feet in length and has a normal goalie head on it. And so, it, you know, it's really adapting to make it successful for each individual person. And I think that's, I think that's the goal of most uh, adaptive athletics. So it fits right into that, that mesh. Yeah. And, and one of the things that, that, I wanted to to key in on was the the stick, you know, and and just the, I guess for the not the goalie maybe, but the typical player, mm-hmm. uh, kind of the the unique mesh netting uh, that's on the end of it that allows obviously uh, the player to ultimately not only catch catch the ball but but throw it as well. Yeah. Um, so that's a that's a pretty complex <laughs> aspect. Um, <laughs> I think most. Most of our players, um, I might get I might get shot for this, but most of our players probably don't have a clue about the mesh that's in their sticks. Um, and I think that a lot of that relates to the fact that we're typically playing in dry weather. Um, and so there's no concern about wet. There's a little concern about humidity, but, you know, I, I look at humidity on my team and it's something that we talk about briefly on a day-to-day basis because in Minnesota, it could be 85 degrees and 85% humidity. 
but the teams in Colorado when it's 75, 80 degrees, it's 20% humidity. So, you know, to use a lacrosse term, their sticks aren't bagging um, like ours are. And then some of the other programs practice inside. So no issues with the, the mesh that they're using. Um, I have been fortunate enough. Um, Warrior lacrosse produced a phenomenal 3D print concept stick. Um, the name is slipping my my mind right now, but it it's a standard hold stick that was designed to uh, catch and throw the same exact way every time. So no uh, dynamic aspects to that part of the stick. And for us, we really dial our new players in with those so that they understand the fundamentals of catching and throwing. Um, and then when they start to move in into purchasing their own uh, stick or gear, for that example, that's when we start to teach them how to adjust and maintain their sticks in a positive way. Um, the other difficult aspect is because we play on concrete or on um, like a slatted uh, roller rink, it can tear up actually the backside of some of the mesh uh, mm. towards the top of the stick. So, um, you know, obviously right now there's nothing created specifically to help us prevent that. But some of the guys started using even just duct tape at the top of the head to prevent um, damage to their uh, to their mesh. So getting creative to try and prevent issues. But then also, you know, as I said, we're trying to um, build proper fundamentals as best we can in our program. Um, and I hope other programs are, you know, intelligently doing that as well. So. And so um, getting outside the equipment um, and, and a little bit more of the other fun fundamentals of, of the sport, uh, you mentioned that, that typically the sports played outdoors outside typically, but I know that, yep. you know, you can, you can play indoors uh, in some places as well. Um, and you mentioned that you play on con on concrete. So can you, can you talk about the court? Um, and, and then maybe go into, you know, how many players are, are on the court at, at you know, on, on it for a team at one time and, and maybe some of the other just general objectives of the game. Yeah. Um, so right now the, uh, the goal for a court would be to play on either a roller hockey rink or, uh, like I said, a, a covered ice hockey rink. Um, and you know, we're always looking for zero entry. Uh, spaces to make it more accessible. Um, obviously, if you can ramp up and down into a, a rink, that's totally mm -hmm. fine. Um, so we use we we've kind of taken that from the indoor box game and just meshed it into uh, the wheelchair lacrosse game. And then we actually we kind of got creative. We started using the blue line and red lines to um, be smart, and we use the um, puck drop circles on the side of the net to kind of help denote spacing as well. So we play, um, it's technically eight on eight or including the goalie. So goalie, two defensemen, uh, three midfielders, two attackmen. Um, and, you know, we start with a face off and then we play five on five is typically the nature of the game. So again, kind of cl more closely matches the box lacrosse game as opposed to the field lacrosse game. Um, and then, you know, we, you know, that's pretty much it. I mean, it, like I said, it matches pretty, pretty darn close to the, to the stand-up game from there. 
And 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 do you have uh, like do you play in four quarters? Do you play in and you know what is the length of a quarter in the in the game? Yeah. Um, so I'll be honest, we're still tweaking a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, a lot of it depends on what we have available to us and the amount of time we have available to us. So, uh, um, you know, when we were in California, we kind of had a, a pseudo tournament, uh, in 2021. Um, and we played quarters. And again, that a part of that process was it's 90 degrees out in San Diego and, people need a break and we're not trying to overheat our athletes and trying to make sure everyone's hydrated. Um, but for the last couple of years, uh, the tournament that's been held in Milwaukee, uh, we've done halves and, and really the goal that we're trying to take on is, excuse me, is increased playing time at any level. So if we can, if we can manage a 25 minute half two or two 25 minute halves with a five minute break in the middle, versus four 12 minute quarters, you know, we'd rather do the 20 or the 25 minute halves because it comes out to 50 minutes of playing rather than the 48. Mm. And I think like people often say, Oh, is two minutes really that big of a deal. And, and the simple answer is yes. Um, you know, that two minutes is the difference between a potential penalty, a man, a man down situation. And for me as a coach, I'm looking at that as teaching time. I'm saying, okay, this happened because of this. And, trying to help my athletes learn the intricacies of that time management as well. And so, um, yeah, I just, I think every time we build a tournament at this point right now, it's just focused on as much playing time as possible for our athletes. And so where, where is the sport now in terms of like, if you, uh, and you may not be able to have a specific number, but uh, how many teams are there? And I know it's growing and continues to grow, but where is the sport now? Yeah, um, I gotta I gotta give a lot of credit to Norm Page on this one. Um, you know, I, Norm has done a phenomenal job of helping build teams out on the East Coast, and so I think right now we're sh we're right around 15 teams. Um, we have a bunch of teams that have just popped up in you know between Ohio, and New York. Um, and again, I can't say enough positive things about Norm Page there. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, we're expanding from uh, Northeast Passage, just kind of had their first clinic up in, uh, is that Connecticut or Massachusetts? I can't New Hampshire. New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Thank you. Yep. Um, and Sean and Ryan went out for that and it sounded like it went really well. Um, they were just down in Florida a couple months back, you know, doing a clinic down there. And then um, Norm's worked on like Wooster and a couple other programs that I can't think of off the top of my head. So I, I would say we've probably had more growth in the last year than I've seen in probably the last five. Mm. Um, and I think, again, you know, I, I don't want to discount teams like we have a, a great team out of New York and Long Island. The barrier is travel for them. And so, um, it, we love to see them still doing things and staying active. It just, how can we find a way to get them to be more and uh, more available to be more engaged with us as an organization as well. Um, and then, you know, the tough part is what we see is um, again, not being negative by any means, but we had a, a great turnout from a team in Arizona um, my first national tournament, which would have been in Colorado. And they had a great, 
great tournament team there. Um, they had about 12 players and then they just kind of fell off the map. Um, and then, you know, we're, we as an organization are trying to analyze and figure out how we can be, uh, more helpful to those programs. Um, and that's something we talk about quite often as a group is how do we, and it's actually a question we get off, get often is how do we build from the bottom up? Um, cause there doesn't seem to be like a good recipe right now. And, you know, we want to continue to build in different cities. I mean, um, you know, when I think of adaptive athletics, you know, you know, Kentucky comes to mind or Louisville comes to mind, Chicago comes to mind, some of these major hubs, um, that have huge hospital systems for, you know, various, for various people with various disabilities. And, you know, we're just trying to tap into a lot of those places and get um, more teams off the ground, if you will. Um, and again, like we just ask that if you have, if you need help, reach out to us, we'll do our best to help in any way we can. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, that's true really with any, kind of grassroots growing effort in terms is, is sustainability. I mean, you right. mentioned, you mentioned the two resources that, that you needed on, you know, on the, on the outset. And that's obviously the resources, the supplies, equipment, but also the, the personnel, a coach, yeah. a program leader. And sometimes if you have changes in either one of those, you know, then, then it, it challenges, you know, the, the, maybe the long-term sustainability. So, so, but I know as, as, as you continue to grow this sport, you know, then, then it just becomes a little bit more sustainable, uh, you know, a little bit more, uh, you know, permanent, the infrastructure is built and created. So I know that, that, that will continue to, to improve. Yeah. Uh, Barry, is there anything I, we haven't talked about the sport that you wanted to kind of just mention or that I haven't asked you about? Yeah, I guess, I, you know, the one thing I would say is especially kind of addressing like parents that are listening. Um, this is a game that we are constantly trying to adapt and, you know, it, it looks physical and it is physical, but don't let that be your barrier. I mean, it, we want to we want to get our real focus is trying to get down to the youth level right now. We want mm-hmm. to, you know, we just talked about sustainability. We want to create that pipeline as a sport for lifetime. I mean, I've got friends who are well into their sixties that are still playing lacrosse, um, at various levels and, and, um, you know, referees and officials are still in the game at 80 years old. I mean, there's no reason that, you know, parents can't get their kids involved with our uh, organization now. And, you know, we are working on, you know, stick handling and pushing, um, at our youth camps that um, we run up in Minnesota and, you know, just trying to build that uh, excitement about the game and trying to teach something new. Um, And, you know, I I think, you know, just don't just openly watch a lacrosse game and and, um, assume that your child's going to get hurt or beat up or anything like that. This is a very finesse driven game. And most of the players that are playing it at the high levels, uh, have the skills to know exactly what they're doing and are doing it in a way that's probably a lot more controlled than it appears on <laughs> TV. <laughs> um, so get out, meet the people that are uh, local for, you know, your children, um, meet, meet the organiz- organizers, meet the coaches, meet the players, 
you know, we want to help your children succeed in any way possible, I guess would be the one additional thing I would throw in there. And so lastly, uh, if people, where do people go to learn more? Yeah. Um, wheelchair lacrosse usa.com. Um, we worked over the last year and a half, two years to, uh, officially publish our rule book, um, through the assistance of USA lacrosse. Um, we finally had a great partnership in San Diego. And I shouldn't say finally, we had a great partnership in San Diego that allowed us to, um, actually publish some games of ours to our website. Um, so you can actually see the game in full now. Um, and you know, all of our act, all of our information is accessible on there. So info at wheelchair is a direct line to our board. Um, I'm not to put them under too much pressure, but Sean Maloney's really great about answering emails on there and, um, he's full of information. So, um, yeah, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, we'd love to, you know, build a program and help in any way we can.